With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Sai. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of our originally created series, My Story. And this is a special edition of My Story Extra. Uh, we've just loaded, well, we're three or three episodes into the third series of My Story now. And uh, as an extra bonus alongside those, I've been doing these shorter live versions because I know you guys, you like the live shows, you prefer them. But um, just because of how, it, how these shows are and the different subjects covered, I do do like to record them with the guests so that they can be as open and as honest as they like and relaxed as they like. And then if they feel that there's some stories they've talked about that they'd rather have not said in public, it's not out there live. And then you get to do these extra shows, which means you guys can ask them questions about their careers, talk about their journeys, all that good stuff. But um, just while we wait for the, you know, for the, for the stragglers, the latecomers, a bit of housekeeping. Um, 
if you're not familiar with this series, it is unique and different to all the other series we do. This one, we take our guests from their upbringing all the way up to present day as they share stories and anecdotes, things like that. Um, across series two, we had, or in the first two series, should I say, we had actors, footballers, broadcasters, authors, filmmakers, podcasters, fighters, and all sorts of people from all walks of life. And series three is absolutely no different. The tagline is very simple. It was the real conversation with real people. It's their story and their words. The video versions, you'll always find it first at youtube.com slash Ace Podcast Nation. This third series is out on a Wednesday, 8 p.m. And uh, if you want the audio, then, of course, it's the Sports Social Podcast Network. Uh, my guest this evening is obviously from last week's episode of My Story. It was a fascinating, fascinating episode in itself, particularly if you're a fan of MMA, but just generally anyway. And I think um, it was the third episode of the third season. I've got several incredible episodes already recorded and in the books coming over the next few weeks, including tomorrow evening, we have ex-Premier League footballer Joe Riley, and then we have ex-championship uh, contender, professional boxer, Hollywood A-lister fitness trainer, uh, Michael Olajide Jr. is uh, there. We've also got our very own Andrew Thompson, wrestling journalist, as well as uh, experienced real podcast host Joe Robbins, which I filmed yesterday at uh, Eat Sleep Media Studios, which was a lot of fun. Really interesting conversation in that one as well. But um, before all of that and more, I am delighted to welcome my co-host from the Danny Butterfly every Sunday, 8pm. Tune in. Um, a man who's fought his whole life across the world, a true legend and indeed a pioneer of British MMA, a former world champion in his own right. It is none other than Mr. Daniel Button. How are you, my friend? I'm good, sir. And um, hello there, listeners. Yeah, I'm all ready for this. Yes, it's going to be good, man. I, um, I, I, I'm pretty sure I speak to you and Rodri more than I speak to my missus at this point. It's, um, <laughs> it's unreal and it's starting to get worrying. But um, no, it's been good. We uh, Obviously, we recorded the the episodes uh, end of the two weeks ago or about 10 days ago now, I think. Like, how did you find it? Obviously, we do a show every Sunday, but we're talking about, you know, we're talking to our guests, we're talking about different things regarding MMA and boxing and stuff like that. Like, how was it for you to kind of go back through your career and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I mean, we really, when you're going through it in an episode, even though it's an hour and a half long, I believe, um, yeah. you know, you really are just skimming the surface of everything that a career was all about. There was still so much more to, to be said about it. Um, when my dad listened back at it, he goes, oh, why didn't you mention this or mention that? And well, you know, it gets almost an impossibility to start oh, making notes of absolutely everything that's gone in your career. But that's the, the beauty of it and being able to do more than one session. You know, we could get more coverage and paint a bigger picture of what my life was about along with my, my career. Yeah, 100%. And that's why I want these shows. They, they are a bit shorter, but they're live so people can ask some you know, some questions and just sort of dig in if there's something that they sort of want to know more about or whatever it may be. Funny enough, you say about time, like obviously me and you, we weren't too restricted for time, but I do try to keep them about like an hour and a half because otherwise I do think it gets too long for people. Yeah. But like I did one with Michael uh, Olajade yesterday and like this guy has just had this most incredible, incredible life, like so like 
um, it's difficult to put into words, even like speaking to you, like as someone who's been through a lot of what he's done with like fighting and stuff, but his was boxing. And of course now he's like training like proper A-list Hollywood celebrities like Mark Wahlberg and um, Chris Hemsworth and all these people. And that's even just at the end of his kind of story. Like he's got all this stuff with his boxing career, his life growing up. Um he lost, he got an eye patch because he lost the sort of use of his one eye at the end of his career when he fought Tommy Hearns. Try cramming that into an hour or like an hour and a yeah. half. You've got no chance. And it yeah. was much, much the same with you. Like there's so much in there. It's very difficult to to fit it all into a, you know, a, a short show. Like ultimately I could probably do like a five, five, five episode series on just you or just, you know, guys like yourself who've got these interesting stories who's been all over the place doing things. I'm interested though, what did your dad think? What did he he think he left out? uh, He just, one of the first things he said was, what about your great win out in Las Vegas? You know, I think it's one that he's really proud about. And, um, you know, I think when he's mentioned to people that, you know, he's very, very social, my dad. And when he makes discussion about the things that I've done, or he could even be my brother as well, you know, he's had great achievements too. Um, you know, he likes to, you know, use it as a bragging right, I guess you would say. And he would show yeah. him the video because it was short, you know, it's not like you got to watch three rounds or five rounds. So I went out there and won in a matter of seconds. But, you know, it's something that he's really, really proud about. Um, being that it was in Las Vegas, um, a lot of people know this as a, a fighting city with, with boxing and MMA. And, uh, you know, the guy that he you knew he was on about was a guy called Demacia Page, went on to UFC. Um, I think he was, he might have been WEC champion or he was ranked number two under WEC when I um, fought him. But um, I was sent out there to lose, basically. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the story behind that was, um, you know, a lot of the times in my career, I was always in shape, quite often took fight short notice just to open up opportunities because the opportunity is more scarce back then. Uh, I had the opportunity to take on this Demacio page as top of the bill on a new fight promotion called World Pro Fighting. It only ran two events, but it had some big, big names on there. Um, you know, Gina Carino has since become an actress. Uh, she was on there fighting our very own Rosie Saxon, who is, uh, you know, she had an incredible career, also uh, a former UFC veteran. Um, so the big, big names on there. And uh, I went out there expecting, or not me expecting to lose. I had full capabilities in myself that I thought I was going to go out there to win. But the guy who was a promoter was managing this, Demacio Page. Um, and when we went up to uh, his hotel room to sign off the contracts and finish everything off and, you know, cross the T's and dot the I's, uh, he showed me some footages of him. And, you know, he's saying, well, what do you think? I said, well, if you want my honest opinion, I know you manage him and so on and so forth. I said, this guy is not going to get at the first minute if he thinks he can take me down a ground a pound like that because this is a this is a guy that can wrestle that don't know how to do ground a pound to shut down a jiu-jitsu guy. I said, I will armbar or triangle this guy immediately. Mm. And that was sort of like my consensus in my interview that I did in my prediction. I said, this guy will not get out of, the, uh, out of one minute of the first round. Quite, quite simply because the guy was unable to strike with me. I felt... Um, I knew he could out-wrestle me, um, but I also knew I was better on the ground. And this was a lot of how my career was. I was a better striker than most people that I'd fought. And I was a better grappler than most people that I fought. I wasn't always the greatest wrestler. It was one weakness and one hole I had in my game. So the fight went, I landed one leg kick. Uh, Demacia went in some some hard hands to try to create height to my head so he can enter in on my legs and hips. And indeed, he got the takedown that I didn't fight too hard. Um, but as soon as he went into the ground and pound, he did. He'd done a thing called table topping, where you have your legs almost straight 
and your back is bent over and you're using your hands to strike down like so. And it went long before I knew stuck that armbar. And when I got the armbar, I had to transition into a sweep. And then from that side control position that ensued from the sweep, I nailed the arm. And I think uh, his elbow got uh, you know, uh, dislocated because he was unable to fight two weeks later. He was arranging to have a fight on KO, I think it was called, for a title fight two weeks after. So I was very much a warm-up fight for him. But I kind of was a spanner in the works. And yeah, the, the whole thing was set up for this guy to win, but he didn't. And um, it was a proud moment because um, it's not often I can predict um, any fights. As you know, I've not been great at predicting fights and I was never necessarily great at predicting my own. But that was one that I predicted that I'd win in under a minute and I actually did that. So very, very proud of myself. But just a note about this, this gives you a, like, an idea of how crazy some of my situations was taking fights short notice. I was actually two weeks before that on a two-week holiday with my parents uh, my, my my lady at the time with my kids, we went to Mallorca and I got this fight notification literally a day or two before leaving. So I had to go and have my holiday because it was all paid for. But the whole holiday, I was running on the beach and doing sprint training and using my uh, time in the sea to swim and get my cardio up, get my weight down. Um, but it was an absolute nightmare because you have to do eye tests, brain scans, and I had to pay for it all out there. Um, I had to do it privately out there. There was another way of doing it. So there's me and my dad driving around trying to, with this language barrier being out in Mallorca, trying to find ways of getting all that needed to be done to go and fight out and satisfy the commission in Las Vegas. So there was a lot gone into getting me out there. And it was a case of I landed uh, my flight at the airport and then literally went and got another flight out to Las Vegas. That's how it was. And I had the most horrendous weight cut for the fight. I, I had to cut nine kilos, um, ended up with terrible stomach the next day because of cutting weight wrong. Um, and to be honest, I don't think I would have won this fight had it gone out that first round. Um, I was just in no fit state. In fact, there was a little delay to me coming out because as I was standing behind the curtain to come out for this fight, my stomach started churning again. And I just said, listen, I've got to go to the toilet again. And they said, well, okay, go and run back. We'll let the intro play a little bit. And they did. So there was a delay. If anyone wanted to ever take time out to watch it, I think it is up on my dad's uh, Facebook. There was a long time before I come out. And um, it was because I had to nip to the loo. Honestly, I was just in no fit state to go more than one round. So I was all in it to try and blast this guy either with leg kicks or um, with a submission. Unfortunately for my situation there, I managed to nail the submission pretty quick. Well, mate, that's, uh, that's not when you want to. You don't want to be uh, known as the fighter who was caught short, do you? So. No, no, and it really could have been the case. It so could have been. Um, a couple of questions straight away. Uh, Donna says, Danny, have you ever had any addictions, uh, drugs, drink, smoking, etc.? Nothing at all. Although I do have an addictive personality, not to anything like alcohol or drugs. No, it just doesn't interest me at all. Um, even to a point, you know, you a lot of people these days going into the gym, they will take pre-training shots to motivate them to train. To me, music will do that. Um, I'm very easily self-motivated. I'm a happy, positive guy pretty much most of the time. I do have my down moments like any human, but for the most part, I'm highly energetic um, highly positive to a point where it can be annoying to those closest around me. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I just feel no need to do that. I'm more addictive as in I get into things and will totally research the hell out of it and get into it. And uh, But I do have fads. 
Um, so, you know, something could last a matter of months and something could last years and some, so something stay with me for life, like possibly the MMA. I do get transfixed on things of interest to me. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? Interesting. Um, Gaz says, uh, Danny, have you ever had guys try to test you in a pub or a street when they've had a few beers? And obviously, as the kind of former world champion, the, the MMA fighter, maybe when you were younger, like guys want to try their luck with fighters you sometimes find in pubs and things? Or were you no. quite fortunate in that? No, no, no. No, I went through all my scrappy stage, which I touched on in the, yeah. the, the previous podcast. And uh, no, not really. That was not never really the case. We, the only incident that comes to mind was um, when I was coaching at Total Dojo in Milton Keynes in Bletchley. And we had a guy, real tall, young lad. I, I saw, saw him grow up very, very tall, like 6'5". And he was known as a bit of a bully. Um, I'm pretty sure he's, he's banged up now. And, um, and he, he come in saying, look, I want to come in and, and train, but I want to spar. Who's the, who's the coach? And I said, oh, that'll be me. And he goes, yeah, I don't want to muck about. I want to see what kind of coach you, you are. I want to get in and, 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 and spar or fight in the cage. Um, this was literally in the afternoon. I was doing a one-to-one. And I just said, look, yeah, we, we could do it now if you want. Um, you know, I could pad up and glove up, glove up and go straight in there. Because I was pretty confident this kid didn't know anything about martial arts. Yeah. Um, didn't come across as the brightest spark. But um, he, he goes, no, no, we'll we pick a day and we'll pick a night and I'll come up. I'm like, okay. But it just never happened. That's about the only thing. Well, it's too much of an exciting story. Um, I never really saw the kid too much after that. And like I say, I think he got pretty much banged up not long after. But he was someone that bullied younger kids when they was on, his, on their bikes and stuff like that. He was a, mm. a bit of an idiot, but a big lad, you know. And I think the, the, the size of him had pulled him through in life in a way to give him false confidence. But yeah. yeah, that was about it. But I've certainly not been tested anyway. But to be honest, I, I've never been one to overly go out after my te- te- teenage years. I was never, like I say, a big drinker in terms of going to the pub on any kind of regularity. I would occasionally go out to celebrate something and go to pubs and clubs and just have a real good time. Um, yeah, just, yeah, not my thing to be around those environments where someone would perhaps want to push me to, to be tested. Yeah. Interesting, because I, I like obviously we speak to a lot of fighters, and I think that's something, particularly like younger fighters who tend to maybe be in the pub environment in between fights and stuff. I think they do get quite a lot of that, like where people have had a drink, and of course they want to. They there's like a bravado thing, isn't it? They want to be the the person who's going to kind of take down the the MMA fighter or the boxer or whatever it may be. And you know, look, they just. So often they get embarrassed and, and it gets worse then because they've been embarrassed as well as showing off because they've had a beer and it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. But I guess it comes yeah, to I, the territory a little bit. I could imagine it might more so happen to the young community of fighters these days, quite simply because... Social media, you know, cameras that, and stuff. Yeah, well. and, and, and as well, because they're so much younger now coming into the MMA, you know, you've got people having successful MMA careers and they're not even 25 yet. Yeah. So, you know, to go out to a pub or to go to a nightclub every now and then once in a while is probably something that they would uh, do more so because of their age. I come into MMA at the age of 26. So by the time I've got any kind of trajectory in my career, um, you know, I've got two children, a family, and I was the sole yeah, owner so in my family. So I had to be very serious. Yeah, totally different situation. So I'd never really exposed myself to that sort of thing. But absolutely, it could have happened had I been in those environments too. But yeah, never happened to me. And I'm happy about that. Yeah. Uh, 
couple of other questions was, um, are you interested in any other sports other than MMA? Yeah, and um, well, I've um, come in and out of interest of boxing, and I've got more into boxing since we've been doing our podcast and listening to um, Ben Doherty. I mean, he kind of really blew my mind, um, as I think he did you. We, we both discussed off air and on air ha- um, how this guy can just fire off dates uh, fights from the fight, yeah. yeah, fights from the the dates, how many rounds, uh, what the scorecards was. I mean, it's absolutely. You could even tell you probably the weather in the location with uh, the guy absolutely blew me out of the water and i'm kind of kind of curious about the the character uh, of ben doherty and um, so to a degree like i was actually messaging him today about getting a book signed and having it sent over to me yeah and um he's agreed to all do that so big thanks to ben doherty if he does take time out to listen to this um i've got his book coming it's going to have his signature on it and i can't wait to read about it and find out more about the, the man that we're podcasting with Indeed, mate. Yeah, he's um, and like I said, like I said about Michael uh, Ola J Day earlier. Uh, that's Ben put me in touch with him. Uh, sure, he's, he's gonna he's gonna try and help me get some uh, get us some more boxers because obviously yeah. a lot of the, the fighters that me and you know between us are kind of MMA fighters. I know a couple of boxers, but yeah, generally our contacts are more MMA based. Sure, and we we do want to talk boxing as well, but um, yeah, but I'm, uh, it's, in it's, terms of it? other sports, um, I always wanted to be a runner. When I was a young teenager, I'd do a lot of sprinting. and So I like to follow the Olympics. Obviously, I never become a runner. My legs were too short. and um, But um, I really do like to watch the Olympics, the World Championships. And I have a real avid interest in both the female and the male sprinters. Um, really like watching pole vault as well, particularly the females pole vault, because there's still a lot of records being broke with the females. So it's always exciting to watch. Um, and uh, if anyone does watch the, the athletics, the female sprinters in recent years um, has just been off the chart. Um, there have been several women breaking uh, records left, right and centre. It's been really exciting seasons with the female sprinting. Yeah, it's been really interesting, mate, haven't it? It's, um, yeah. Don, Donna says, um, do you support any a football team? Uh, no, I don't. I don't really follow football um, in any big way. I will follow England. You know, when it's like Europeans and, and worlds and stuff like that, I do take an interest then. Uh, my brother was always heavily into football and still follows yeah. it today, as my son still follows it as well. Um, and my brother was into Liverpool at the time. So naturally, I suppose whenever someone said to me, oh, who do you support? I'd say Liverpool, largely because I was just following my big brother. But it was never something that over interests me. I did briefly pay for a team as a kid, but it was never my passion uh, to, to do it. Whereas my, you know, my brother's quite big on it and, and play football and do sports to a high level generally than I ever did. Steph, and have you ever lost a fight that wasn't a professional one? Uh, yeah, I lost two semi-pros, if that counts. So back when uh, you started out your career in uh, like the late 1990s, you know, through to about 2001, 2002, I guess. There were some amateur events which were done on open mats uh, that I did at Stanchbury here in Milton Keynes. And that's how I first uh, clapped eyes on John Kavanagh and, and you know, what kind of impact I started to get a sense that he would have. And also uh, Ian Freeman. Um, you know, we're going back a little bit here, but Ian Freeman was one of the first successful British fighters who bring people like Frank Mir. Uh, one of the best grounder pounders the sport's ever seen, Ian Freeman. Um, he started out on these amateur events as well, run by Lee Estill at Stanford Green, Milton Keynes. Um, I did that, and you would have three fights in one day. 
Um, and then after the amateurs, I then went on to a format called semi-pro. It just meant you got a bit of money. Um, no. I think you get like about 50 quid. Um, and I actually lost twice at semi-pro, um, largely because it was so unregulated. I turned up to fight on a show called Grapple and Strike. So some of the older community who's been interested in MMA will remember what this format was. Again, on an open mat, um, you basically did MMA on this open formatted mat. And I fought one of the guys who was the promoter's top boy. And when we arrived there, we were like, oh, he looks big. He was quite a bit shorter than me, but it looked huge. And we're like, you know, what did he weigh in at? And he goes, well, we didn't weigh him in because we know he's on weight. And uh, we said, well, we ain't got a set of scales here. Like, oh, they've been put away. It was bizarre. But Lee Asdor went and got a set of shady, scales. Shady, oh, it was shady. shady Lee Asdor said, well, I've got a set of scales in my car. You know, can we just weigh him in? He weighed in at 75 kilos. Bear in mind, this was a 70 kilo fight and I was about 64. So I had to give away over 10 kilos to this guy. I remember we exchanged leg kicks and I was known as a bit of a kicker. But I remember kicking his leg and it kind of bounced off. And when he kicked me, he put me off my feet and I knew I was going to be in for a, a, a rough uh, days competing. So, yeah, I actually lost uh, both my semi-pro fights uh, because it was so badly regulated and I was just giving away too much weight being that there was no weight division lower than 70 kilos at the time and with the bad regulation you could be fighting people seven eight kilos bigger than yourself it was just the way it was done and what happened was um, the guy said oh I'll bung you another 50 quid to take the fight still and I was like yeah you know what I got caught for speeding going down to the event being the unorganized me um, I was running late and got caught for speeding as well. And I thought, you know, I could do an extra 50 quid to pay the pending fine that I was going to have. Um, so, yeah, that was how that went. Um, but when I went pro, you could pick your fights a little bit better. You can actually make a study of who you're up against. And that's really where I started to have successes because I could strategize a little bit more. Um, yeah, it's better regulated. Uh, I'd know a little bit about who I was up against and I'd have a game plan and so on and so forth. And, yeah, things went on better from there. Still, it's a bit naughty, isn't it? That weight thing with the like fighting someone and saying, "Oh, yeah, we haven't got the weighing scales," and that shows how bad, oh, it's really bad, bad. run it was back in the day. Mm-hmm. And that's what when I say, like, I obviously introduce you as a legend of MMA every week, which you know is, is an absolute fact. Like people like yourself and Lee Remedios and John Kavanaugh, people like that, you changed the game for fighters today like in terms of taking mma in in ireland and uk forward but also like you really pioneers for british mma and i feel like without guys like yourself and and you know all the behind the scenes guys guys at the time as well i think it wasn't for you guys we'd be or we would have been where france was in relation to mma still in the more current era so i think Sometimes guys like yourself don't get the credit that you deserve, perhaps from the from the outside world, shall we say. But um, uh, Gaz says, uh, on the subject of athletics, did you see the trans swimmer who's breaking all the ladies' swimming records? Uh, she won a race yeah. the other day by 38 seconds. That's right, um, yeah, she did. Um, what's Danny's thoughts on that as a fan of Olympics yeah. and, and athletics? Yeah, we have discovered, uh, discussed this um a couple of times haven't we on our podcast yeah. and you know I, i'm dead against it i would really like to and be happy to hear the views for this kind of situation that's coming into sports more prevalently um we recently had that laura 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 lombard, lombard hubbard 
I think it's her name as well, powerlifter that recently competed in Olympic Olympics that was formerly a man. Uh, I don't agree with it. Uh, I think it's just going to decimate female sports. I mean, female sports have always been behind men in terms of their attention, exposure, and financial support. And you know, I think in the recent times, you're actually seeing it begin to level up. But now, for this to happen, yeah, it's just going to just going to do it so much harm. Look, I'm not saying that transgender people can't compete, but surely we could try to create a new category for them to compete in. I just, I just don't think it's a good thing. It's it's problematic, I think, isn't it? I think is um, my my one of my issues with it is that women's sports, particularly athletics, um, are so massively underfunded in terms of the the grants they get to support grassroots level athletics. Mm. And then when you've got people coming in who are then breaking records at those at those grassroots levels by just amounts that will never be broken unless it's a similar situation. They'll never be broken by the girls who will have been training for years since they were six or seven, you know, day in, day out after school, not going out with their friends, dedicating their life to swimming or running or whatever it is. Like those girls won't get near those records ever. No. And I just think that's a real shame. Now, that's mm. not to say that I don't think transgender people should be able to compete, but I agree with you. Maybe it's the time to bring in a male, female, and then a transgender category in the same events. So you don't have to isolate them into like a, you know, a, a separate event. So you just bring in an extra event uh, an extra category so as you've got as part of the yeah. same event because i just feel like it's not going to do anyone any good it's gonna it's gonna decimate women's sport it's gonna make people turn more likely to turn against transgender people which is something which obviously as a society the majority of people are trying to avoid is trying it's trying to be more inclusive to people from sort of backgrounds which are um, they feel isolated and, and things like this. Like we're trying to be more inclusive with sport and with everything yeah. in society generally. And I feel that in the long run, if you try and force it, like I do feel it's like it's a bit forced now, it's going to have a detrimental effect on that because people will resent it. People will resent those records being broken. And, and you see it to a minor degree now, but like if you look 10 years into the future, if it carries on the way it is now, I feel like all the, when all those records are gone, people will be really, really upset and really frustrated because yeah, yeah. it will have just decimated women's sport. But, you know, like you said, like I would love to be able to get someone on who can kind of give the opposing view or speak about it from the other side of things. Yeah. I, I, I mean, forgive me if I'm wrong, but we mentioned Lee Ramirez, but I think Lee Ramirez is an advocate for allowing this. I think... Uh, I don't, you know. Oh, I'll have to, because he, because when I had him on, he spent, he, um, we had a question about it, and I was right. very early into my podcasting days, and I was really, really uncomfortable talking about it because I didn't want, I didn't sure. want to upset anyone. Um, and he kind of just took over the conversation and said he, and he, he said it's fine, I'll talk about it, and he kind of, you know, detailed all the various aspects of it, and you know, he speaks very, very well. Um, yeah. So that was really interesting. Um, I want to kind yeah. of fly through the questions, Red, just because um, I want to keep it like a short, sharp show. Sure. And I know no you've problem. got to obviously go back to work and things like that. Um, so, um, 
Donna says, do you own the gym that you're at now? No, I don't own it. The guy who actually owns it is a guy called Greg Lum. And um, I'm kind of in partnership with him um, for about oh, crikey, 12 years now. And uh, the way that partnership worked is um, when we first had a discussion about sort of coming together and working together, um, he said about using the, you know, my name and uh, you know, my capabilities of producing a fight team to add to the advertisement and the, the, I suppose, you know, the prestigious name that will become of the BSC Academy through the success of our fight team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm not a not business-minded guy at all, whereas he was. Um, he started to draft out what kind of plans he had as kind of like a 10-year plan, which we've hit that and gone beyond now. Um, and and back me fully in trying to produce the fight team that I always wanted to do. I always said I could produce a world ta- world class fight team if I had the backing and the um, and the the, the the facilities basically. You know, needing a cage, needing other coaches to, to to back up. You can't do it all on your own these days. You need other coaches and assistant coaches. Um, so that's kind of how we work with it. But in terms of all the financial input, although I've obviously inputted myself, um, you know, this guy called Greg Long is the one that's largely put put all the uh, foot of the cost uh, in. And, you know, there's been a lot invested in this gym. It's 50,000 square feet gym. Um, so much work has gone into it. And indeed, you know, we'd have me and Greg here 15 hours a day. Um, seven days a week for many months to get this open in time because at the time, during the time that we was building this place, we weren't earning any money. So, yes, I am um, quite heavily involved with it, um, but I was not the person that put up you know, the, the amount of money such as he has because um, I just didn't have the capital to do so. And I, think, I could just bring my name to, to, to it, basically. Yeah, but also, like, you've transformed that into, like, one of the um, primary like MMA hubs in the area, um, obviously very highly rated in terms of professional fighters and the coaching that the and the team that you've got are there. You know, you you see some of the biggest names in the in UK MMA kind of all you know settled in there talking and uh, fighting and this incredible thing you've built. So I think whilst you like you said you didn't put the capital in, I think you've brought other other aspects to it, haven't you? Um, sorry, lost my screen. Right, there we go. So, uh, how tall are you, Danny? Um, I was always built at about five foot ten. I think I might be slightly under that now. Now I'm reaching 48 years of age. I've, I feel like I've shrunk a little bit. But, um, yeah, I was always around about the five ten mark. And people always think I'm shorter than that because I've got quite short legs, but I have a long body and a giraffe neck. So, um yeah, it's normally they normally surprise people when we go back to back and oh, you're taller than I thought you was. But yeah, mm-hmm. not, not particularly very average. Yeah, there you go. You're like me, mate. Short, short, but <laughs> short but strong. Um, <laughs> right, guys, I'm going to come back to your question. That'll be the last question we'll go to, I think. Um, Reese says, "What was your recovery like uh, after fights? Did you have things like ice baths and anything?" To- did you do anything specific? No, I didn't. I was terrible for looking after my body in the right way. Um, in my very early career, we'd fight on a uh, Sunday night 
and, and quite often fight at 11, 12 o'clock at night. And I'd be going into work at four o'clock in the morning to start my postman's delivery on a Monday, uh, limping around my delivery. So, yeah, things are so much more scientific now. There's so much more knowledge about how to look after yourself, both with weight cuts, rehabilitation from injuries. And it's so far different now. And it probably was the information to access, but you remember the internet was different back then. You couldn't just get this information. So, yeah, I largely just got bruised up and, yeah, went back to work the next day and went training. I, I would always go training on the Monday. I was just so hungry for it. You know, when we touch on, was I ever obsessed with things? And I was obsessed with training and I'd go training the next day. In fact, you know, some of the students are exactly like it. Tom Burns fought on the Saturday night. He was back in training Monday and, you know, he blew out his ankle. So he's there hopping around, still wanting to drill techniques. But I love that passion. And we all just say, just take it slow, enjoy it. So we allow yeah. them to talk a little bit more, to bask in their glory of their win. Mm-hmm. And um, But they want to be here. And, yeah, there's yeah, nothing more with that because I, too, was like that. Of course it is, yeah. That's the, that's the attitude you want, I suppose, you know, from your fighters, from people, isn't it? It's you want people to buy into it. You want people to be dedicated to it because they're the ones who, when they've when you know they've already got the ability, if you've got the attitude as well, then I would imagine mm. they're easier to coach and sort of take to sure. the next level and, and, and whatnot. Um, yeah. And then we had uh, Rob says, do you reckon we could get a trans athlete on the show? Look, I, I, would, I would happily... Uh, would love to, to do so. Uh, I have no problem doing so. I think I don't th- I maybe I'm doing people a disservice because everyone's different. I don't think that they would come and speak to us, but you know, again, maybe I'm doing people a disservice. Um, I'm always happy to have people tell their story on a My Story episode. I'm always happy to have boxers or fighters or coaches on the fight show and, and whatever it may be, whoever they are, whatever their story is. Um, whether it's positive or negative or whatever it is. Um, but obviously that wouldn't be up to us. We just have to see and ask and we'll see. Yeah, I think that'd be a great thing. And like I said, I think you've got more chance of perhaps getting someone that perhaps has a view different from ours. And I'm, I'm totally up for debate. I really am. And I'm totally up for learning and admitting I'm wrong or perhaps not so educated on a subject that I thought I was. Um, I'm all for that. You know, Perhaps someone could explain it in a way that makes it seem, oh, you know what? Perhaps I was wrong. Perhaps it is okay, and we're just misconstruing it. I, I think not for the obvious reasons that you know times are getting decimated. Weights will be lifted heavier, as far as I understand, because um, I understand like the difference in, in in the physicality once you reach puberty is there for life. It doesn't matter about what level of your testosterone is. It only has a certain impact of your athletic capabilities to a certain point. But for me, a man that's reached puberty will always be some way advantaged over someone that's born a female regardless of how much testosterone you put in that female the male will nearly always be dominant um it's not just based on the on the testosterone levels which is some arguments that i've had put to me when we've debated at the gym they'll be like what their testosterone gets put down well it doesn't matter their skeleton's still large their lungs are larger they still have a bigger capacity for um their blood traveling around their body and so on I don't know. It's uh, definitely an interesting topic that can be discussed at greater length, but I just think we should have an opinion on the other side to make it more interesting and more fair. Yeah, Donna just said about um, a boxing trainer who was on Celebrity Big Brother. So I had a look, and um, his course is uh, Kelly Kelly Mahoney, um, who was formerly 
boxing promoter, uh, Frank Maloney, obviously a very famous uh, yeah. boxer. For, uh, but I would happily have Kelly on to, to, you know, to discuss everything she's been through. Obviously, she's heavily involved in boxing as well. Um, I will look into that and see if that would be a, a, a possibility. Um, so as we come to the end of our little short, sharp show, mate, um, the question which I was saving... I'll ask you. I'll do this question first from Craig. Uh, Craig says, "What do you prefer, being a fighter or being a trainer stroke coach?" To be honest, I think being a trainer and a coach. Um, you don't prefer getting yeah. your face smashed in. No, I mean obviously it come with it come with some great rewards. It really, really did, and I would never. I would always do, do the same again if I lived again. You know, I, I would. I have loved what I've done. But it's to, to do with different eras of your life. You change as you get older as well. You've got to understand that. But right now, in my time of life, being a coach is the best thing for me after being an athlete and competing in combat sports on a world-class level. Um, I don't look back. I don't wish to fight anymore in particular. Um, I'm happy with what I've done and what I achieved. I'm in a different part of my life now. And I'm really happy and comfortable doing what I do. I can live through the fighters that we have and still get a taste of the career that I formerly had. It's a wonderful position to be in. It can be upsetting. There can be hard times. But my goodness, the rules, the rewards are huge. 100%. Uh, so Gaz asked a question earlier, uh, and I think it's a nice one to finish on. It says, um, if you could pick, if you could get one guest on the fight show next year, who would it be? And then he says in brackets, you can tier top three. So start with, pick three, start with like, the least and then up to your, to your number one pick for who you could, oh, you could have anyone 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 so they um, got to be alive think, yeah 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 of course um, Hicks and Gracie I think it'd be such an interesting yeah um, uh, John Kavanagh love to have him on you know because obviously we've had experiences together um, I just think that would be a great conversation um, and who else um Ah, uh, for a final one. You know, this one might surprise people. Probably someone like Marco Ruiz. You know, someone that was a big fan of uh, back years ago. You know, he's someone that's still apparently you know, on the mat and stuff and in training in MMA. I think he's like maybe older than me, but he's supposed to be still a force to be reckoned with. And he was someone that I largely would think was, you know, f fully well-rounded at a time when many fighters wasn't. Like it, mate. Like it. I would pick. Um, I would pick Tyson Fury, Leon Edwards, and I would either go with Israel Adesanya, John Jones, or Conor McGregor. Any of those three, I think, could have a real yeah. interesting conversation. I'd quite like to speak to John Jones, just so um, see, like, because he's had so many, like. From a fighting point of view, one of the best ever. Right. For, but also, all the things that have got in his way, like he's got in his own way. So, like, I'd really like to sort of pick his brains on that. And then, like, Dana White, come on, like, that would be. Uh, that's, yeah, you know, I mean, it's so huge. Like dream, if, if you ask me this question in six months' time, I'll probably pick a different yeah, three. three different it's three just, ones, like, yeah. I'm on the spot a little bit. And um, they're um, just three immediate ones that I would, would love to get talking so, with on, on, on a podcast format 
Donna just said you'll have to give us a virtual tour of the gym one day. Um, yeah, sure. Go do it now, mate. Come on. Just give us a virtual tour. Uh, do you want tour. me to? Yeah, go on. It's yeah. Fantastic okay. for the audio listeners. <laughs> so you'll have, to, okay. you'll have to talk. You'll have to talk through it. For the okay, this is a, ch- a changing rooms. Oh, hang on. I've got to make sure no one's naked. Yeah, here's the changing room. Everyone's naked. <laughs> no, they're not. Demonetized. Channel gone. Let's <laughs> take you through the reception. Reception, that's the front doors. Don't know how well you can see. Then this is this is going into the gym. Look at that. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's the cardio bit. I'll take it down to the martial art area. I don't know how well it's coming across. No, you can see it all. Yes, you've got all the equipment and the, the, the different types of uh, machines and weights and stuff. It's, uh, yeah. it's a massive, uh, massive complex, isn't it? Oh, it's huge. It's ginormous. Man. So well kitted out. And um, you've got loads of like, deadlifting platforms. And... I mean, it I goes know. all the way around. I'm not surprised you have to stay there overnight, mate, to make sure no one nicks all your stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was supposed to be a running track, but we had to use it during the COVID. And then this oh, is the martial art area. Cafe. Oh. Most importantly, cafe. That's what you want. And yeah, this is mainly the striking. Then we have our grappling systems over there. That's the class I should be doing now. <laughs> As <laughs> <I> ring. <laughs> And we got these benches that are from old churches. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, there's our cage. Look at that. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'll just show you the back room. You got to tell Final them they're, they're, they're live on Facebook and YouTube now, mate. That's the thing. Yep. Yeah. Guys, girls, you're all live. Don't show, don't show something. Yeah, no. <laughs> Put it away. <laughs> Put it away. And this is a, like a bag room. Nice, I like it. Yeah, Make I mean, there is an upstairs to it, and, but yeah. It's a massive, massive complex that is, mate, and 100%. Yeah. Uh, Reese wants to know, what's the price for us to come and work out there for the regular viewers? Yeah, I mean, uh, our price formats are just done in, in two ways. Because we're academy, they're all martial art orientated packages. It's just that we supply the gym for free. So some people come here don't want to do martial arts, they just want to use the gym. So we always do it that it's a martial art package, silver or gold, and the silver is done at 40 pounds, and you can train everything apart from the BJJ. But when you do a gold package at 50 pounds a month, you can train absolutely everything we got here, all the gym, all the classes. Um, I think it's pretty competitive pricing when you see what kind of equipment we got here. If you look at like uh, some of the other gyms, they could be very, very expensive uh, to train at. Yeah, 100%. Uh, um, yeah, 40 pounds or 50 pounds. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. Danny Barton, mate, it's been, first of all, thank you very much, mate, for just fitting in, finding a bit sure. of time for me tonight, mate. I know it's Pleasure. Uh, I know it's tricky. Um, but yeah. also, thank you for sharing your story with me, my friend. It's, uh, it's, been a, it's been a pleasure kind of digging into it, listening to you a little bit, talking about all this stuff, talking about your journey, talking about your fights. I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, sure. Yeah. I will see you on Sunday. Yes. For our last live show of the year. Last yep, live no show worries. of the year. Have a yep. good one, mate. Thanks to everyone yep. tuned in. Thanks, sir. Um, Thanks, listeners. Check out my story with Joe Riley tomorrow, eight o'clock on the YouTube channel or audio download everywhere. Cheers, guys. Thank you.
Social Podcast Network.